This is the Juice on the Cues podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Good morning, Syracuse. Welcome back to the Juice on the Cues podcast presented by Rivals.com. I'm your host, Wes Chang. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday, August 9, 2023. We will get to all the talk of ACC realignment later in the show with Brad Bierman, but we begin today with late-breaking news from Wednesday night that 2024 Rivals three-star athlete Elijah Washington committed to Syracuse. The Orange offered the 6'7", 210-pound pass catcher in May, and on Wednesday, he pulled the trigger and committed to the Orange. I spoke with him on Wednesday night, and he said, quote, I felt like it was the right move to make. It's a great move for my future, end quote. Washington is definitely in that Aranda Gaddison the second mold. A tall, fast-twitch athlete can create mismatches across the field with a similar skill set to 2024 tight end commit Jamie Tremble. So we're definitely looking forward to seeing him next year in Orange. In the meantime, we are less than one month away from the start of the season, and one of my favorite guys to speak with at this time of year is former Syracuse and NFL linebacker Rich Scanlon, and we welcome him on the program now. Rich, appreciate the time as always. How's it going today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thanks for having me on. Our, I look forward to our annual conversation every year this time. <laughs> Definitely one of my favorite times of year. Always have it circled on the calendar. Rich, we'll get you started on this one. You were invited by the coaching staff back to Syracuse in July to speak to the team. What was the gist of what you told them? Well, I think the the, the team and the program's done a nice job of of trying to embrace the alumni, bring them back. You know, talk a little bit about you know the holistic experience of of playing football at Syracuse. You know, both on and off the field, and and really what I tried to focus on is you know you can have you know a career you know and be successful both on and off, you know, the football field. You know, I was lucky to be, you know, to be successful on the field and then, you know, have a career off it as well. And I think, and basically my message to the guys was, you know, football is, you know, the main priority in your life right now as it should be, but at some point it's going to be over and it doesn't matter if you played 10 years in the NFL or no years, you know, you're going to have to figure out what to do and you can be super successful if you just apply, you know, all the hard work and the skills that you learn playing football, you know, to kind of everyday life and just trying to give them the confidence to understand that, you know, the game of life's just a different game, you know, but it's still a game just like football is and they can learn it just as well as everybody else. Rich, you were an all-Big East linebacker at Syracuse. You played linebacker for Kansas City, Tennessee, and the Giants in the NFL. What do you think of the current crop of linebackers that Syracuse has, and specifically Marlo Wax? Oh, I think Marlo is a fantastic player and person. You know, personally, you know, had a chance to sit down with him while I was up there. Obviously followed him, you know, last year, you know, had a pretty solid season. And now, you know, there's a void on the leadership side. And, you know, I think he's primed to to take that spot. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to having him lead that group. You know, it's a little, there's some experience there, but Marlo's obviously the unquestioned leader. But I'm I'm really looking forward to, to watching him play and, and hopefully thrive, you know, as being kind of the guy this year. But uh, but always look forward to the live back in court. But I think uh, Marlo has a has an opportunity to be pretty special. Rich, as I mentioned, you spent five seasons in the NFL. You know NFL talent when you see it. When you look at this current team, do you see anyone that's going to end up playing on Sundays? Um, you know, obviously Gatson. You know, given his uh, you know one his pedigree, obviously, and then two, uh, you know, just his performance last year. You know, I think he's obviously one of the top guys. And if you read every publication, you know, it's 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 clear to see, you know, that, that I'm not the only one with that opinion. 
You know, we always have a couple of defensive backs that shine through. I know there's a bunch of young guys, a bunch of transfers. Um, you know, so I'm always interested in what the defensive backfield is doing because we always seem to churn out, you know, a handful of guys in the defensive backfield every year at the, at the pro level. So that's another position that I that I always keep an eye on. Um, you know, and then the offensive line, uh, you know, we got that one transfer in. Oh, I forgot his name. I think you're thinking of David Wollabaugh. Yes, that's who I'm talking about. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, the name escapes me. I'm terrible with names. You know, I've been hit in the head a few times. But, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to watching him. Um, you know, and obviously the offensive line is is an area we could always use some help. So so hopefully, you know, that turns out, you know, on the plus side for both both him and the team. You know, so for me, you know, obviously Marlowe and Gatson are kind of like the two guys at the top of my list. And then I always think of the defensive backfield as just they've just been the staff has been doing a good job of, of having somebody shine through that year. And I'm not sure it's gonna be this year, but there's always somebody that separates himself from the pack. You know, and just hopefully we don't lose anybody to the transfer portal this year. Rich, I always have you on at the beginning of the season, but if I had had you on at the end of last year, I would have asked you this question that I'm going to ask you now. What do you think happened in the second half of the season last year? And what can Syracuse do to avoid that second half slump in 2023? Oh, man. I had one of those, like, where were you moments, you know, in the middle of last season. I was on a golf trip with a bunch of people and Syracuse had, was playing Clemson, and they, I think, they had just scored a defensive touchdown when I left the clubhouse. Uh, and then I had to listen, you know, and watch on my phone as that deteriorated. Um, and it seems like the whole rest of the season kind of went with it after that game. So I felt the pain, you know, very acutely, you know, when when the season kind of, you know, took a took a left turn. And I think, like, for me, it was kind of two things. Obviously, you know, Garrett getting hurt didn't help um, and kind of destabilize, you know, you know, the most important position on the football field. And then we just we just couldn't finish. You know, the Clemson game was an example of that. You know, uh, there was a couple games we just weren't competitive in. And you can't – I wouldn't expect the same success from the first part of the season to carry on. But there was a couple a couple games that were a little bit discouraging – you know, from a no-show perspective, and then it's just ability to finish the game, you know. Um, you know, but luckily we were able to get a win against BC, you know. Uh, always always enjoyable. We can stick it to the super fans. But, uh, but yeah, it was just, I mean, the quarterback <laughs> situation and just not being able to finish, I think, were the, the two things that I remember. And obviously that Clemson game kind of hits, hits home. Um, I live down in the south now, so... You know, I had to hear about that a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully this year, you know, Garrett can stay healthy. It's always good to have a veteran quarterback coming in. And we just got to finish a couple games. And I think, you know, you know, there it's not out of the realm of possibility for this to be an eight-win football team. So you kind of stole a bit of my thunder for my last question. But we'll get you out of here on this one. You mentioned eight wins is on the table. But what's your prediction for the year? Well, I think, you know, we got to bank a couple early in the year. You know, I think the schedule was done in such a way where, you know, we can, you know, get our feet up under us. So I'm looking, um, hopefully, you know, we can get a couple wins under our belt early. And then we got to close out a couple games. And if we can steal one or two, I think, you know, eight wins is surely possible. Again, like my bar, you know, while we're trying to, you know, navigate the transfer portal in the world of NIL is 
you know, be bowl, bowl eligible. Like, let's get to a bowl, you know, um, because I want to go to one and see my friends, number one. Um, you know, and number two, I want to see the school do well. Uh, no, but on all seriousness, I think, you know, I think seven wins is would be my, I guess, expectation. Just looking at the schedule, I think eight wins are possible. You know, we gotta we gotta finish a couple games. You know, but I think the schedule sets itself up, and if we can keep everybody healthy, and again, everybody always says that. You know, you know, we always, and I know we tend to perform in reverse of predictions. So if people think we're not going to do well, we tend to show really well. And then when our expectations are high, we tend to <laughs> under deliver. So hopefully this year, um, you know, we can, we can have one of those years where we su- surprise some folks. So I'm always optimistic as I say every year going into the season. So we made a bowl game last year. So that's so kind of the, the bar for me this year, you know, and then hopefully we can, we can finish out, we can figure out a world of, of NIL and transfer portal where, you know, we can find a way to be successful consistently. Rich, really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. All right, thanks, Wes. Have a good one. Rich Scanlon, ladies and gentlemen. Always good to have him on. Definitely one of my favorite guests and very cool that he got to speak to the team this summer, not just about what happens on the football field, but how to prepare your life for when that time period in your life ends. We'll see how close he is to his prediction at the end of the year, but eight wins, I think I agree with him. If they can stay healthy this fall, that's definitely within the realm of possibilities. We'll take a quick break. We'll talk a little college football realignment with the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief Brad Bierman after. I'm Wes Chang. This is the Juice on the Q's podcast. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. So all the talk recently has been about realignment. The Big 12 is the latest school to pick up the remains of the Pac-12. This time, Utah and Arizona State announcing they're leaving for the Big 12 after Oregon and Washington already left for the Big 10. The Pac-12 is now a Pac-4 with only Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State left. Let's chat more about that with the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. So, Brad, what did you think when you first heard the news of the Big 12 rating the Pac-12? Well, certainly number one for me, Wes, was the timing. We've had the entire offseason. You'd think that maybe when these big administrative moves would take place would be not as the season is about to get underway. So that surprised me, number one. But that's really tiny compared to my uh, thoughts and expectations as to what's transpired. I think we've been talking about it for a couple of years now. It's really just been a matter of not if, but when, and that has continued going into August and just a month before the 2023 season. 
You're right, Wes. Uh, I just I'm still in shock as a longtime college football fan. We don't have a, a Pac-12 conference. There's not going to be major conference football on the West Coast anymore. It's just mind-boggling to me as a longtime fan of the sport. And also that really stands out here as it pertains now specifically to Syracuse and the ACC. Well, I think Jim Phillips really, the, the inexperience he has shown in his leadership in understanding the evolution of the sport Look, I know he's a, a smart. He, he he's got a PhD. He's been an AD at, at many big schools. He works hand in hand with ESPN on a daily basis. We get that, but they they had to see that this was coming. Uh, ESPN knows what it's going through with the transformation as a company with its parent corporation Disney. All the other changes going on with Fox and the Big Ten, CBS and the Big Ten, NBC, Notre Dame, and the Big Ten. ESPN itself with the SEC. They've seen all of this, and they've known that college presidents crave the dollars that these TV networks put before them, and that's just one of the major sources of fundraising as part of their responsibility. So for the ACC moving forward, Jim Phillips, ESPN, they're kind of stuck right now to kind of see in a reactionary mode, what the other conference schools, namely been in the news, Florida State lately, making noise about leaving, uh, tied in with North Carolina perhaps, Virginia perhaps, Clemson perhaps, Virginia Tech perhaps. So these question marks remain. For now, for Syracuse, though, you have to stay put, see what's going to shake out, and go from there. And that's just really a crazy scenario to me, Wes. It really is. Brad, there's still four Pac-12 schools left out there. It's called the Atlantic Coast Conference, but geography be damned. What do you think of the possibility of the ACC adding some West Coast schools? I think that has been considered, Wes. Again, in partnership with ESPN, they've taken a look at this. And this was even before the announcement of Washington and Oregon going to the Big Ten. They took a look at this. Was there any value there? And there really there's value in the Bay Area, but there's not football value with Cal and Stanford uh, in the big picture. There there is of course in having the Bay Area marketplace, but there's not specifically as it's tied into Cal and Stanford, and there's certainly not a lot of value to add uh, teams to membership to slice up that revenue pie when you're talking about Oregon State and Washington State playing in small markets, Corvallis and and Pullman or the Spokane market. So there isn't. That would have been a potential play, some sort of throwing the Pac-12 and uh, George Klevikov, who really got outplayed here by the Big Ten and Tony Petiti, the the, the commissioner there, uh, throwing them some sort of life raft and and seeing. But there wasn't really going to be a lot more value uh, in having that West Coast TV programming on Saturday nights for, for, for those time zone games uh, to, to split up the revenue any further. So what, what you're looking at is potentially schools with that rich tradition, Stanford and Cal, not being part of major college football moving forward. And it's just mind-boggling when you see that the Pac-12 is done and the Big Ten outflanked the Pac-12 and adding USC, UCLA last year and Washington and Oregon this year the SEC making its play last year with Texas and Oklahoma. And, of course, 
really what a job Brett Yormark has done at the Big 12, you know, coming from running the New Jersey Nets, the Barclays Center, Jay-Z's empire. He has been so forward-thinking in grabbing schools to to balloon up to 18 with not just BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida, which I thought – was a genius move last year, but now, of course, adding Colorado, Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State to really outflank the ACC, so to speak. And I'll throw this prediction out to you, Wes. I've been thinking about this long and hard. Is it going to come down to the final 60 teams, 64, even 66 in major college football? And if indeed that's where we are going to be headed uh, is Syracuse going to make the cut? And it's going to be really close. And that's another reason for me personally, I think it's incumbent upon the team to have a great 2023 season to show football uh, prowess and to show that the program is indeed going in the right direction for consideration for football to be in a major conference. Basketball, I, I think it's there, but we all know football drives the bus. So that's going to be another interesting aspect of the upcoming football season for the Orange. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. You got a closing thought for us? I do, Wes, and I'm going to stay on the theme of college football and what I was alluding to a few minutes ago. I've been following the sport for close to 60 years. Went to my first game when I was seven years old, and I, I really love college football. And What's transpired now in the 2020s, as as I mentioned earlier, the major TV networks taking over and really controlling things and leading to realignment and to this uh, geographical craziness with teams uh, from both coasts in the same conference and travel now going to be, you know, something that we've never thought before. It just kind of saddens me. And but this is the reality of, of how the sports evolved. But it's taken away from everything I loved about it. In the 60s and 70s, the tradition, the history, the games only on Saturdays after, Saturday afternoons, the great rivalries and uh, the great interconference games when they were scheduled once in a while. And that's, of course, all changed now with, with the TV money. And I think the other next big change you're going to see, uh, and this is what schools are considering as they make these moves for the revenue uh, portion is the players are going to get paid eventually and they're going to want a piece of that revenue and they're going to get it and they're going to expect to get that as this decade unfolds so the changes are rapid they're continuing and it's kind of uh spinning one's head for a fan of the sport Brad, I'm going to close the show on this. We had Eric Devendorf on the program last week talking about the Alumni Basketball League game between the Orange 8 and Dog Talk. It happened on Sunday with the Georgetown alumni team winning 130-119, to and it was every bit as fun as we thought it would be. I just love seeing Devendorf out there along with Jimmy Beheim, Paul Harris, Rick Jackson, C.J. Fair, and Chris McCullough. There's already talk about doing it again next summer. I, for one, really enjoyed that, so let's hope we see that again in 2024. That's it for us. I want to thank my guest, Syracuse football legend, Rich Scanlon, the Juice Online editor-in-chief, Brad Bierman. And this is Wes Chang reminding you that I think it's a little ironic that one thing a babysitter should not do is sit on a baby. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cube podcast presented by Rivals.com, and we'll see you next time.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 